0: I guess I'm an example of where where it's not a crisis. Um, uh, You know, I'm an example of someone who was just searching for something else. Um, And so I'd I'd like people to to know that that uh, you know it's not all about um, having those major events in your life. Um, It can be about you just looking for something else, something something purposeful, something bigger than you.
1: That was Murray Pryor and you're listening to The Regenerative Journey. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and internationally, and their continuing connection to culture, community, land, sea, and sky. And we pay our respects to elders past, present, and future. G'day, I'm your host, Charlie Arnott. And in this podcast series, I'll be uncovering the world of regenerative agriculture, its people, practices, and principles and empowering you to apply their learnings and experience to your business and life. I'm an eighth-generational Australian farmer who transitioned my family farm from industrial methods to holistic regenerative practices. Join me as I dive deep into the regenerative journeys of other farmers, chefs, health practitioners, and anyone else who's up for yarn, and find out why and how they transition to a more regenerative way of life. Welcome to The Regenerative Journey with Charlie Arnott. Our next guest is uh, Murray Pryor, wonderful fellow I met 18 months ago and he came to Hanamino to, to suss um, sus us out because he was on his own regenerative journey um, into the world of, um, uh, of farming, being a new o- farm owner and launching himself into biodynamics. We had a lovely chat here at uh, uh, Nuru. Uh, I'm going to get that pronunciation wrong. Um, however, here on the Ash River at Gundaroo, in New South Wales, overlooking um, the beautiful Galloway cattle he's got here, Murray. Uh, the important thing for me, um, which which we captured together, was um, his journey from corporate life into the world of regenerative agriculture. Um, he has a farm here that he is basically. Uh, it's his palate. It's his ways expressing himself. It's his new life. His family living here, um, and. He's digging deep into the, uh, the history, the Indigenous culture that is here, was here, um, and he's, he's bringing that to life. Um, we touched on so many different topics, succession, um, corporate world, finding purpose, and um, everything down at planting trees with his, with his daughters. So uh, I can't tell you how excited I was to be here with Murray and um, really enjoyed our session with Murray Pryor. Murray, we're on. Hello, Charlie. Welcome to your living room.
0: <laughs> Thank you very much.
1: Here at near um, um, at Nuru, Nuguru. Can you can you pronounce the
0: um that correctly? The name of your property. Sure, I can. So the local indigenous people would call it Nguru, and it's uh, it's been named for us um, as a a word which means camp in Ngunnawal language, um, and it recognises the many camps that were in. This part of the world, um, down through the ages, um, and uh, as a place to uh, to eat and to, to sit around and tell stories, and uh, we just think it's a it's a appropriate kind of name for um, for the farm that we're running.
1: And the farm you're running, we're looking at here. Um, the uh, we're on the on the S River. Um, beautiful Yass River. You, best, you gave me a bit of a heads up on some of the um, some of the uh, the plantings that have been done. Some you've done, some others have done before you. Um, it is a beautiful part of the world. I've been um, watching you, stalking you on. Uh, we met about eighteen months ago, didn't we? And we I've did. Been watching watching you on, on your Instagram account, and um, fascinating to see. You know, just from that that um, that forum, as it were, your your growth, your development. You know what you're doing here. Before we get into that, tell me what this means to you. We're sitting here. There's the Yass River in front of us. Um, there's some new, new sort of some trees that are some years old, and there's some fresh ones just up the hill there. Your belted galloways are grazing gracefully on the hill over there. You know what does it mean to be to be here, to be sitting here, and you know looking at that.
0: Oh, it's a it's a question that I I often think about actually. it's um, something that has been in the pipeline um, for a long time um, and we can get into that. but um you know sitting right near here today, I'm kind of on the one hand, I'm very proud of what we've got, but on the other hand i'm I feel like the clock ticks and you know, Whilst ever there's not a plant in the ground, then I, I get a little anxious about that. And so, you know, I have that sort of emotion of um, wanting to get on and wanting to see more and more things done. Um, I think every farmer probably feels that way. Uh, but yeah, just, just, just a very, very beautiful landscape, um, a wonderful place to bring kids up um, and just a, probably an overwhelming sense of responsibility for looking after it.
1: Um, Let's get into your regenerative journey, Murray, because truth be known, I hit you up yesterday for this interview. (laughs) You'd been on my list for some time and the window of opportunity opened for me at least. And so um, as I said to you yesterday, Charlie Massey wasn't available. Um, So I thought, who's the next best person? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Jeez, it was Murray. <laughs> hour, well, Murray's only an hour and a half from Burrawa, so it was an easy drive, and um, I knew that I was, I was, um, I was keen to sort of um, uh, put another interview in the bag, as it were. And you were a bit dubious, um, I guess, but um, absolutely. Um, you were you were you didn't hesitate the <laughs> text came back pretty quick smart <laughs> which is a wonderful thing so before you know I've been as I said I've been watching your journey over the last um, at least 18 months since I've known you tell me you know how how did you get to be what, what were you doing before you you landed here tell, me, tell so, me a bit about the backstory just to give us a sense of yeah who Murray Pryor was before he is today
0: mm. So first of all, I didn't come from any kind of farming family, farming background at all. Um, I had a very typical Australian suburban upbringing. I'm the son of a career policeman and a stay-at-home mum, and we had a, a suburban experience, if you like, um, in uh, in Canberra. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I um, I met my wife in the oh, probably the mid. 1990s. Uh, we were working together in hospitality and uh, we then, um, uh, thing events took over and we ended up leaving Canberra and we ended up in uh, working in, in um, corporates, if you like, um, in, in Sydney. And then that sort of work has taken me um, all around the world for the last 20 years. Um, and I guess how the farming thing evolved is that I found myself too many times on a weekend in a hotel somewhere in some part of the world, by myself, starting to wonder, is this is this it? You know is this all that I'm meant to be doing? Um, was
1: that with a, and a family back at home like, you know, at fa- least a, a yeah. wife at home? Yeah, there was-
0: wife, wife and kids at home, yeah. and, and just just starting that that feeling of being unfulfilled. Mm-hmm. Um, was starting to gnaw away at me, and uh, you know, I, I love my main job, and I still do it. But it, but I I always had this sense that um, there was more there was more out there, um, and I've always been pretty handy with my hands, and so I, I always thought that you know I could turn myself to things. Um, then um, we got back to Sydney in two thousand and ten. And um, I think we were only in Sydney uh, maybe a dozen weeks and I said to Michelle, let's go and look at farms. (laughs) And we kicked the tyres on many farms. Um, And I had this sort of crazy idea that I could commute every day uh, from a farm into the middle of Sydney. So therefore, in my mind, it had to be 100 acres and it had to have a nice house on it and we had to be able to commute every day. And of course... um, that's really hard to find and it's, uh, you probably need some serious dollars yeah, to, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> to get that. So, um, And then, of course, the kids' ages, um, you know, they, they, they were getting more advanced in their young years in school and uh, we kind of reached that point where we said, you know, it's, it's now or never. Um, uh, not now or never, but now or when you retire. And, and that thought of waiting till I retire just horrified me. Yeah. And I said to the Michelle, well, well it's, it's going to be now. So um, we drew a, a much bigger circle around Sydney and um, we started looking in earnest and, uh, and this place uh, came up you know, fairly early in our search and uh, we came to an arrangement in relation to how I would kind of balance, balance things. Um, but uh, in those first few years, uh, wife and kids were here and I was commuting backwards and forwards. And... Um, really happy that uh, these days I'm, I'm based here full-time
1: so so covert is, is sort of we were saying before propelled you into that um uh, fortuitously into that in, into a new well probably quicker than you thought you would mm. like you, you you're full-time here now yep um working from home as yep. many other people are finding themselves and and doing it well and going why didn't i do it before yep um so w- was the so you, just to give people a sense of what you're actually doing your, your your vocation before you know turning your hand to farming essentially what what were you what was some of the you know what were you doing basically you're you're with a, yeah, a, so a law firm
0: yeah working a, a large a very large law firm um, which is um, has offices all around the world and my job is to uh, support the business in relation to some of its commercial activities so I'm not a lawyer but um, I have um, sort of um, skills and. Experience in business development and communications and marketing and those sorts of things. So um, yeah, it's a de- it's a it's a classic desk job um, yeah. with a lot of travel in it um, and get to meet a lot of interesting people and and uh, interesting clients and all that sort of thing. But um, you know, I, there, as I say, there was that sort of searching for um, so, so some some sort of higher purpose, some something that we could. Get involved in which you know, frankly, um, even went past our own lifetimes. What, what could we be doing that would that would take us into that space?
1: Was there any? Can you remember, Murray? If there was a, it was a particular hotel lobby bar you were sitting in, or a, a flight you were taking, or a you know an email you read, or something? Was there a particular moment where you just thought, you know what, stuff it. I am just going to do this. I am just. Going to have that conversation with Michelle.
0: <laughs> Look, it 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 probably played out a little differently to that. It, it was more that we were kicking tires on on farms and getting frustrated because I wanted the farm to fit into a particular box, which it was never going to fit into. Mm. Michelle was getting cranky because, um, you know, we're wasting weekends here, and. It was the, the the moment in time was really well. When is when is the right time to do this? And you know, kids are a big consideration in all of that. Um, and th- that, that you know, moving kids is, is a difficult thing. And the older they get, the more difficult it becomes. And so, we just kind of reached that moment where it was like, we really need to do this, otherwise, just stop doing it. Um, so, it it was it was more that.
1: Was there? I mean, is uh, I want to drill down into sort of that the thinking or the decision-making around that because I think, um, you know, I get a lot of inquiry from people going, I want to you know, buy a farm or I'm even on a farm, what do I do now? But more the, you know, I want to find myself a farm. Is it, is there the, you know, will they ever find the perfect farm?
0: No, no, not at all. I mean, my vision of it was incredibly rudimentary. I didn't really think a lot about what, what it was other than, I thought it'd be green. I thought I'd have a tractor. <laughs> I thought I'd be ploughing things. <laughs> cool. I thought I'd be putting seed out, and I thought we'd be making you know growing food. Um, and and that's really all I took into the purchase of the farm was just a, you know I would just want a farm and didn't really think a whole lot more about it. And then probably a one of the really big moments was. Um, one of the partners at work has a big um, Angus stud out at Mudgie, and he said, um, "Well, now that you've gone and done a very stupid thing and buy a farm, um, <laughs> you need to read this book. Um, this is the the, the the you know the latest book called of uh, the Rewarbler.' Um, and so I picked it up, and um, I'm one of the few who probably read it back to front, back to cover. Yeah. Um,
1: when, 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 how long ago was this? Just this this was
0: direction. this was in the uh the march of 2018
1: and and when did you bought
0: well we, we had bought in the months before that and and i moved on to the block here having finished the book
1: uh, okay so you, you, you just to get a sense of the timing so you had because as i understand and have seen you know that was a significant moment which we'll get to reading charlie's book but you'd actually gone to the point of buying a farm with, with a with a idealistic sort of notion of what that would be prior to then discovering a whole different way of farming is that that fair to say
0: very fair yeah, yeah. okay yeah. and the book the book the book was the catalyst for a sort of a sort of overwhelming sense of responsibility for what we had just done um, which was you know to purchase the block um, up until that point, as I say, I had that sort of vague notion of what we'd be doing, and then, and then, you know, the reality um, hit us. Um, and and as Charlie so well puts it in his book, um, that that becoming landscape literate and being able to sort of work with nature and all these things, all that stuff, I had not thought of any of that. So it was an incredibly fast learning curve from that point on. Um, and not long after, I put the book down, um, I said to Michelle, we're going to need some help here. So I went to the back of the book and I found that he was he had a part-time seat at the ANU and I called the ANU and got put through to Mr Massey and I said, uh, Charlie, could this is what I've done. I've read your book and I, I really need some help. And he asked a few questions and he said, I'll, I'll help you uh, under two conditions. First condition is... That your wife is right behind you," he said. "I don't, I don't work with people who, you know, this is an individual pursuit. It has to be a, a family pursuit. And the second thing is, I will help you because you don't come from a farming heritage," he said. "I just find it so difficult to <laughs> that, convert.
1: That was his. That was his criteria. That was his
0: criteria. Good on him. So then, uh, in the months after that, he uh, he came out and we spent many fantastic days. Out in the paddocks, he, um, you know, he took me under his wing and he showed me all sorts of things. And I just, I look back on that with such a fondness for just uh, the, 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 the range of things that I learned. And you know, he's, he's kind of, he has this amazing kind of, you know, he's made a few words in a way, um, but he just had that way of um, creating those kind of moments where learning happens. Um, and so as a result of that, he helped us produce a, a farm master plan, which we're still working through, and um, that's kind of set us on on the path um, from here.
1: I want to get back to that master plan. I do want to – I'm just stepping back a little bit to the purpose, your comments before about purpose. You know, you had a sense of not having a purpose or, or, or there potentially, you know, possibly being a, a need to find a purpose. Of all the things that you may have – purpose in why did you what was it farming why wasn't it like um, I don't know some other vocation some other you know buy a hotel in Moree or something you know I don't know why farming was it was it was it a natural thing um, we happen to be at a farm your farm uh, that is near Canberra where you grew up was mm. there sort of a you know a sense of place here as well in the farming community or was it why farming
0: I I don't know I don't know that I can put it down to a geographic um, descriptor I, I feel that probably the, the the big the big moment for me um, and I've told this story uh, to a few people before Charlie was um, with me out in the paddocks and we had this kind of nice moment where we were sitting around and we were looking at different things and he was pointing out different things and he and uh, he said to me um, he said, "You know you don't really own this place and i and i said well i don't I don't follow you know I've just my name's on the title and we, we've got some, what do you mean we've got the bank uh, on us as well and and uh and he said he said look he said you know see these gum trees over here they're a couple of 100 years old and he said this uh, sedimentary shale is millions and millions of years old and and he just kind of left it like that and and I got it straight away it was that you're not going to be here very long even even in you know my lifetime i that that sort of change happened instantly where i went from a sense of owning something to a sense of I need to look after this thing because someone else is going to um take it on after me, so that 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 became that higher purpose. It was like a transition from ownership to a to to a sense of stewardship, um, which was a pretty profound moment. Um,
1: well, I'm glad you're farming. <laughs> For sure. I mean, just knowing that this this piece of land is in your stewardship and you will leave a wonderful legacy here is really um, – and that's why we're sitting here today, you know, at, at, at relatively short notice um, because I wanted to get a sense of, you know, how decisions that were made, sort of epiphanies, turning points that got you to this point because, as I said before, there's a lot of people who want to do what you're doing. You know, they want to get out of a – if it's not just Sydney and and living in Sydney, it's a job that's that's keeping them in Sydney. And so, you know, what 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 advice can you give to anyone that you know is it was a is a, is a younger Murray Pryor who's sitting in the Shangri La at, at Hong Kong Bar thinking, "What's my higher purpose? I really want to go home and farm." Like, what 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 are some of the advice you would give them to, to, to do to step through to think about?
0: So, the f- the first um, response I've got is is it, I think about regrets, and I, I have I have I, I I have hardly any regrets, but I do have one, and that is that we we didn't do this sooner. Um, I I feel that um, whilst the the leap, so to speak, what um, uh, was you know certainly a leap, it, it could have been something that we could have truncated and we could have got into this a little earlier and we could have, um, you know, been further down the track. It, it's such an unbelievably rewarding experience, um, both at a, you know, physical level, you're, you're active and you're doing things and you're, you're busy. At a mental level, it's a wonderful balance to, um, you know, corporate life. Um, where you you know you need to kind of use a different part of your brain when you when you when you're managing a landscape and then probably the biggest thing for me is the spirituality part of it um i'm a, i'm not uh i'm not a religious person in a traditional sense but but tapping into a sense of spirituality for um you know the landscape and um the uh the the indigenous people who had it before us and you know just to kind of get into the the feel of the place the vibe of it um, I, I I've found exploring that side of me um, has been incredibly rewarding as well and and uh, same for the family
1: before we get into that because I do want to get into that <clears throat> because you're very conscious of your I guess responsibility and the and the, the history that that you are really um, Somewhat stewarding, but you're you're almost caretaking in some way of the history, and, and and you're unearthing a lot of things. What are some of the sort of decisions or the the, the questions, perhaps, that you would suggest to um, people thinking about moving out of the city, you know, bringing their family to a farm and buying it and getting on with with a different purpose? What are some of the questions you you would suggest that they might ask themselves?
0: Mm. I think. Um People need to think about the the, the, the reason that they're getting into um, farming. I, I think that if you can identify with um, uh, you know healthy soils and healthy food, and if you've got an interest in those things, or if you've got an interest in uh, landscape management, if you've got an interest in uh, even in human health, um, those sorts of things, and and identifying with why. You want to um, go farming? I think if you can f- find that in yourselves and in your family, uh, that that's an incredibly powerful driver. I, I wouldn't recommend my approach, which was to sort of think about it in terms of green fields and a uh, orange tractor and uh, <laughs> those sorts of things. It's it's red tractor, <laughs> <laughs> orange. <laughs> what's orange? What's,
1: what's uh, what, what brand is
0: orange? Kubota, what
1: do you call it? Oh, Kubota. Yeah, we've had a Kubota. We're case, we case people. <laughs> case, okay. <laughs> um, anyway, we, don't, we won't have to fight about that just now. We won't. No, we weren't. not worth fighting about.
0: Um, look, I, I just, I, I do think that um, if if you can if you can do that work up front and and work out why you want to do it, um, and if you are um, of the mindset to find a project that might be bigger than you and bigger than your family and, you know, will take you in those sorts of directions. That, that for me is the starting point. The rest of it becomes quite mechanical from that point on. You know, where will it be and where's the schools and how does all of those sorts of things work? But um, I wouldn't start there. I'd start much more at that level of, you know, why do we want to do mm. this?
1: When you say... Um, uh Bigger than you? What do you mean? Like you, you, are you sort of suggesting, what, what? Yeah. What do you What do you mean by that? I think I know, but I I, don't, I want you to explore that a bit.
0: Yeah. So that means some of the changes that we're um, making here um, have a lot to do with the creation of habitat and um, and and building biodiversity on the farm and those sorts of things. Um, they take a long time to come to fruition. Um, you know, we're putting in seedling um, uh, tube stock of, of big trees. And, you know, you know I'm, I'm sort of 48 years old now, and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, when this tree is a big tree, um, that's going to be near the end of my time on the planet. And um, it's that sort of bigger than me concept, which is, you know, I, I'm, I'm probably not going to see this farm at its peak. Um, someone else is going to see this farm at its peak. But, but that in and of itself is a driver to do more. Um, so that's kind of what I mean by, by bigger than me.
1: I think that's, um, that's really important, you know, because I think, as you say, and you got into, you know, your farm with the orange tractor and ploughing or whatever else that was, but it's, it is a massive responsibility and, it's, and it is, you know, I guess I'm just highlighting this for, for the listeners and those especially who are thinking about getting into farming, it is bigger than you. Because it is a responsibility. It is a it is a living, breathing organism that that needs management because we've sort of got things to a point where they do need to be managed. Once upon a time used to manage itself, but you know, it is it's not just about having a pretty house and nice green paddocks. You know, there is as you say, there's habitat, there's hydrology function in the landscape, there's, you know, mineral cycling, there's the biological aspect of it, and there's, you know, there's all those different levels, and there's also the people. Mm. There's the people. It's just not like I'm going to turn up to my farm, and move some cows, and you know it's all going to be fine. There's a, it's the spirit of the people and the spirit of the you know the history, the literally indigenous spirit that is. It's a whole another. Um, it's just you, 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 people won't you probably appreciate that until they sit in, a country, in country, on country, and and understand that. What um, Just on the people side of things, you know, Charlie mentioned about family and the importance of, you know, um, Michelle um, coming along for the ride, as it were. Mm. What has it meant for your family Um, and, and, you know, probably as as much as importantly the girls, you know, to Mm. be, do you think, do you feel that that it is to now be living on a farm? Mm.
0: So one of the things I've always been big on is um – is understanding where your food comes from and um i had a an upbringing um where uh, my dad and i and my brother we'd we'd often go hunting and we do we do those sorts of pursuits and so from a young age i had always had this idea of you know if you're going to take a life then you will you'll you'll need to give that the respect of of consuming it and consuming all of it and so, um, you know, I kind of wanted the the, the girls to understand that, you know, f- food doesn't come in a, a polystyrene tray with a glad wrap on it. Um, that it, that it was a living, breathing thing and that that, um, that life cycle needs to be understood. And that, that can be quite hard to get across in the city. Um, and so, you know, one of the big changes in our girls has been that on a farm, things are born all the time and things are dying. Um, and, you know, they, they, they love um, when things are born. And of course, they shed a tear or two when, when things pass on. But it's that you can see their personal growth in, in understanding that. And, and, you know, when we put on something on the, on the, the table like for example lunch later on today that's going to be a- what are we having <laughs> <laughs> we have a couple a couple of steaks from from one of our from one of our steers from uh, here yeah and and and, yeah, and you know that that's a great thing for for anybody mm. to to appreciate um and there's a certain it's it's almost an indescribable set of mixed emotions that you have when you're consuming um you know food from animals that you've looked after yourself um, so I, I see big changes in, in the way in which um, our, our family has sort of evolved and adapted to um, farm life like that.
1: What about health? I mean, is, 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 how much has health, you know, individual family health sort of played a part in that or, or what, what, what impact has, has there been or has there been?
0: Yeah. Well, Michelle's always been um, very conscious of, of um, eating well and eating clean um I guess I was a little tone deaf to that like a lot of blokes are you know you just shovel anything that you can in your mouth it's fuel fuel um, some tucker yeah and so I'm I kind of came around to this very late in the piece um, and so I'm I guess I'm an example to to others out there listening that um, particularly men um, that you that you know human health's important and it has a direct link to the quality of what you're putting in your mouth and and um, and uh now that we've been able to be a part of the food system and we start to peel that onion back and 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 understand the layers of that that big food system we've been you know pretty surprised and at times pretty shocked at at the way in which a lot of food gets gets produced and um the, 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 now that we see that, and we see the difference between how how we're trying to do it here, um, feeding ourselves and feeding our friends, and uh, you know, ultimately feeding the village will be will be where we where we want to go. And and um, um, I think that that will have a big knock on effect on on you know the health of not only us but uh, of our community in time to come.
1: I want to get back to that. Um, your long-term plans. So that's that's a question on notice. <coughs>
0: <laughs> Got it.
1: Um, let's get back to the Indigenous overlay, um, if we can, because, again, I've noticed, you know, your emphasis on that, which is fantastic because um, I think it's really important um, for those who are custodians right now and for those who will be and for those that were you know mm. for the, that acknowledgement tell me what, what your how how that journey um sort of played out in in your sort of appreciation of 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 that responsibility you know particularly the indigenous the history here and you know charlie massey made those comments that day he was here mm. but how how is that how is that sort of played out
0: well we we're not dissimilar to a lot of places in australia um where European settlement um, came through in the early to mid 1800s, and and the uh, the relationship between that uh, and the uh, the First Nations people is is a is a very sad one. Um, and when I made the decision with Michelle that we were going to, you know, have a red hot go at regenerative ag, we we sort of straight away had this sense that. Um, if, if a fair portion of European agriculture practice in Australia has been less than positive, then how are we going to, having turned up on the farm you know, with 2.5 seconds of experience, how are we going to do regenerative <laughs> ag without turning to those who've always known? And so it took us a little while to to uh, to get into the uh the indigenous community it's it's not a, it's not an easy path to to follow but um we have um some some guidance um and support through a good friend um Paul House who's a um who's a uh, uh elder um who's has direct connections to this part of um the Southern Tablelands, and you know, when he comes out and he he has the opportunity to get on country, it's um, it's a pretty moving experience. He um, he he has an innate sense of this land, which is so much deeper than what it, what we can even contemplate. And you know, he'll walk around and he'll touch things and he'll pick things up and he'll instinctively go to things and. And you know he, he's very emotional about it, um, you know, and he sheds a tear, and we shed a tear, and and um, you know for us there's a there's an enormous amount of gratitude for for looking after something that you know he cares so deeply about, but there's also a sadness that a lot of countries locked up in in private ownership, and um, and I think we I think as a family we struggle with that, we struggle with owning a an important part of someone else's heritage um, and so you know we're starting to turn our mind to how we might think about sharing um, the farm and sharing land and 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 trying to trying to you know get get back to um, uh, a, a proper collaboration um, that's kind of where we're at
1: what are, what are some? Because I know that Paul's been out here a number of times, and and you know, I, what are some of the? I guess the some of the rituals or the sort of the, um, I guess what are the 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 what what are the, the practices of reverence that Paul mm. is teaching you?
0: Mm. So one of the things he does when he comes out is he, um, he'll often go and grab, some some eucalypt some fresh green eucalypt. Um, and he'll pull that off as a as a sort of a branch and then he'll teach our our girls that you know he'll he'll rub that under one armpit and then he'll rub it on the ground and then he'll do the other armpit and he'll rub it on the ground and that's his way of communicating with his ancestors he's putting himself on the ground and he's putting the ground on himself and it's a lovely way of kind of him announcing himself that he's now on country. Mm. Um and then, you know, we we'll, we we'll, we'll see the the black cockatoos or we'll see the kangaroos and, and and you know he'll 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 talk to them and he's taught us to talk to the land and to talk to the the animals and the birds because, you know, in his in his tradition and custom, they they are his ancestors. And so he he sees them as that. He doesn't see them as a, you know, just a just a simple thing like we do. So um so he does those things um we had a lovely smoking ceremony here um uh, about a month ago um where he sort of creates a um uh, a communication vessel if you like for his ancestors through fire and smoke and then he he basically wards off um spirit from you know uh, bad spirit from from the house and encourages the girls to to kind of get involved with that and we kind of cleanse ourselves with smoke and then we, uh, we, we sit around and we, he teaches us Aboriginal words and we, you know, we try to string a few words together and that's just a lovely kind of thing to do at that level but you know, tr- tr- trying to take it, I think where we're at is we're trying to take it to another level um, and that can only be done if you're prepared to go into that world of sharing. Um, and um, you know, I, I accept that that's a challenging, challenging idea for a lot of farmers. Um, but I can assure listeners that it's incredibly rewarding to 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 take yourself into that paradigm of well, yes, I might own this thing, but but what's the right thing to do here? how how, how do how do we open our minds, open ourselves, and open the farm gate? To the original owners and the original custodians who have so much to offer in terms of um, regenerative ag.
1: Do you think there's a sense in generally in the farming community of, um, you know, what, not being willing to open, you know, their their country um, up to the First Nations people? What is it? Is it sort of a protective mechanism? Is there fear around? Oh, they might find something, and then I'm gonna be, I don't know, have to you land back. I mean, what, what's your experience? I mean, I have my experience as a farmer. What's been your experience as a as a, as a new farmer in, hmm. in this sort of space?
0: I'm, I, look, I, I have, I have, I won't uh, deny that that you know, I I had biases like a lot of people do on this topic that that I had inherited um, that have been you know part of a systemic Australian culture of teaching a particular view of how all of this played out. And, of course, the more you get involved in it and the more that you talk to Indigenous people and you you feel that sense of dislocation and the sense of loss, um, you you start to realise that um, the biases that you carry are, are exactly that. And you need to kind of set them to one side. And you need to look at these things... On on face value and see that there is actually a there's a there's a whole other truth here um, that that's playing out for a, for a group of people which um, if you're open to it then you know it it it, it creates a I think a, frankly a wonderful opportunity for change and um, the amount of people that we've talked to and have had here on the farmers visitors. I have a lot of confidence in grassroots support for uh, a much deeper reconciliation with indigenous people. I I think that, you know, we obviously have tr- problems at a governmental level and policy level, but uh, I think I think the the, the winds of change are, are really blowing and 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 it's the young people who who are who are less tolerant of the um of the traditional views on this topic.
1: Um, <clears throat> I was um, uh, pleased and grateful to be part of a webinar that you put together there um, oh, some weeks ago now, back in the end of May, I think it was, um, with with um, one of the speakers, was was Bruce Pascoe, and I, I remember him saying um, something about we don't want reconciliation, we want, and there's a word and it was so profound, and we'll have to go back to the transcript. Murray that'll be our our our, our um, co homework <laughs> but I remember sitting there thinking it was so pertinent um, that and then I pulled a quote out of that um, his talk there that was so profound and I, I should have actually got it with me here now but um, you know what a what a wonderful representative of of that culture of that time of of and and, and and the good news is he's a writer. You know, mm. he can put this stuff on paper and he's produced, you know, dark emu, he's done a dark Emmy for children as well, oh, which I right. absolutely um, – uh, endorse. is not the right, right word, but I, I, I strongly um, – encourage uh people you know mums and dads to go and buy that book read the read the adult one for yourself and then give the kids the other one read read it with them because it is such a compelling story can you tell us for those listeners who aren't aren't familiar with bruce and his work and and um Dakeem, can you give us a bit of a sort of a a snap a snapshot of that
0: snapshot yeah so um so bruce has done um a really deep and quality piece of research on um the truth around Indigenous um, uh, culture and Indigenous practice before white settlement, and he's done that through analysis of the diaries of the early explorers. So These are first-hand white people accounts of what they saw when they first uh, opened up um, the interior of Australia. And, of course, what they saw was, you know, um, large-scale agriculture in different sorts of um, ways. They saw um, the harvesting of of grain. They saw bread-making. They saw sophisticated uh, fish traps. Mm. They saw that they saw a lot of storage a lot of um, storage of agriculture commodity product as we would know it today Grain
1: granaries uh, granaries
0: yeah. um, quite extraordinary and of course you know none of that was taught to us you know we, we, were, we were all taught that this was just simply a nomadic uh, existence where indigenous people moved through country and and so therefore they never really had anything they never really owned anything and so that that suited our way of <laughs> opening up the country. Invading. Invading, exactly. So um, the book you know, paints an incredibly different picture to what uh, everyone was taught in school. Um, and as a result of that, uh, I, I think that you know, that's been probably the, the, the seminal piece of the, of, of the decade in terms of challenging that notion of, of, of who are our First Nations people and what were they doing here um, before, before white people came.
1: Um, Murray, how did you get in touch with with Paul uh, Paul House as as an example, or how, what what would you, how would you advise people to if they were looking to sort of get in touch with um, you know Indigenous um, uh, whether it's elders or just or, or representatives in a community? Was there a particular way you did it, or is it sort of you fall into your lap?
0: Mm. Uh, it's it's kind of none of those things. It's it's <laughs> it's. Um, this is not a a group of people who who are you know w- well organized through particular um, shopfront um, entry points. Um, they all have their own roles. They're all doing different things. Sometimes I find that it can be a bit hard and a bit opaque as to work out where where things are at. And there are uh, I, I think the best starting point is that. A lot of Australian communities will have um, Indigenous elder councils. Um, these will be people who who've been, you know, appointed by their own people and by governments to play that elder role in communities. Um, and that's kind of where I started. I, I, I must say that it, it took some some jumping around before I was able to sort of, um, you know, get to meet Paul. It's 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 not an easy path. It, I suspect that might be just my experience. And then in different parts of Australia, um, things might be more accessible, things might be more easy. Um, but certainly, yeah, not, not quite so straightforward here.
1: Mm. I'd, I'd really encourage anyone who's listening out there. I mean, and this is, doesn't apply to people living in the country. I mean, there's um, people living in the city, You know, knowing where you're the, 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 the nation, the mob that, that inhabited um, and, and hopefully still does. Um, in your your metropolitan areas, is a really, you know, I think important thing to be aware of, just to have that reverence and have that understanding and then and that appreciation. Um, so I totally encourage people to to to, to track that down. We, we'll have in the show notes maybe a, a couple of um, Indigenous land councils. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure whether they operate in in sort of state levels or or, or, or sort of federal, but um, I know that that they exist, and I think that that might be um, one way in. Just back to Charlie Massey um, Murray. Mm. And and you mentioned we sort of laughed about. Well, I certainly laughed about the um, his criteria of making sure that you weren't a, a farmer already. <laughs> Why do you think that was one of his criteria?
0: Oh, look, you know, I mean, he writes about it a little bit in his book, um, but he also talks about it um, a lot. Is is just the the, the 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 mindsets which are ingrained in the father-to-son or grandfather-to-father-to-son um, concepts, um, particularly if those intergenerations are living on the one property, quite difficult to sort of, you know, break new ground, so to speak, and try different things. It's an incredibly traditional uh, type of type of uh, occupation in many ways. And, um, you know, you only need to go to an ag shop um, and, and, you know, Buy some things at a egg shop to realise how how incredibly traditional um, the approach is. It's always based on you know what 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 came before, um, <laughs> yeah. and so uh, I, I think that you know Charlie talks a lot about sort of um, crisis being the, the the point at which people will you know turn to a different way of doing things, whether that's financial crisis or personal crisis or. Other sorts of events. Um, I guess I'm an example of where where it's not a crisis. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm an example of someone who was just searching for something else. Um, and so I'd, I'd like people to to know that that uh, you know it's not all about um, having those major events in your life. Um, it can be about you just looking for something else, something something purposeful, something bigger than you.
1: I think mean, that's that's um, that's fantastic, um, and and often I, I think it is, and I've been talking to you know, a number of people in this sort of COVID couple of months, and you know a lot of them are, are saying just that, that there hasn't actually been a crisis point. Yes, COVID might have stuffed around some business and and so on, um, but it's more been like the door just opened. You know there was there was a. There was a thought, there was, a, there was an understanding. There was, it, wasn't, it wasn't a crisis and it wasn't like a, a beam of light came down from the sky. It was just like, oh, my God, hmm. that's actually what I want to do now, you know, um, which is fantastic and, and it's, it's, it's a really good thing to highlight because for a lot of farmers, farmers as we were saying, you know, it is a crisis. It is a succession debacle. It is financial problems. It is paddocks blowing away in the wind and that's crisis point, you know, and that's fine because that's the situation they're in. If that's what it takes to get them there, then I think that's just the way it is. It's, it's you know, but but I think it's um, as David Mars said, you know, one of the, not being a farmer already and moving to a farm could be one of the biggest assets they have, you know, not having that legacy. Let's talk some more about that, Murray. Um, your point of view, your your I guess perspective on on farm succession. We sort of touching on it, but really mm. on what 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 is it for you to be a steward of this land? in, in terms of, I'm not necessarily asking what your succession mm. plan mm. is here, but the importance of succession and and how you know how does that sort of line up against a traditional what you've seen as a traditional succession plan or lack of?
0: Mm. That's a good question. Look, um, we. We are focused at the moment entirely on bringing health back to the landscape. So we're not producing lots of food. We're not dropping lots of lambs, and we're not carving, and we're not—you uh, know—we're not pushing at mm-hmm. all. Um, and as you can see, there, you can hardly see an animal as Charlie looks out the window.
1: I can see there's um, a couple of those Galloway heifers on the hill. There. Yeah, there's
0: a few there. But um, but but really, what we're trying to do is 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 to put. You know, play it forward. Put some big investments down. Mm. Um, investments in terms of labour, really, um, in making this a a much more um, nature driven um, farm. And so that for us um, is a, is a big long term play. Um, in terms of succession, for f- for me, I'm I'm sort of just focused really on trying to get this this place as Far down that path as possible. I, I'm not going to be a household name in terms of people coming oh, and buying. Food.
1: You, already, you already are no. with the barn there. Well. I'm just going to give the barn a plug. It's, it's, you better hurry up. It's pretty much booked out. A Little Airbnb, well not Airbnb. It's a it's a beautiful little um, little barn, little cottage here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Look,
0: it, it's it's. I mean, in all seriousness, it's it's not going to be a, a big a big production house, but it but it will be hopefully if if we live long enough, it will be a um a return to its former glory. Um and, and former glory was, you know, really that this was a a mixed woodland and grassland place and it's it's overcleared and it's got challenges, um, albeit that they're not as severe as, you know, a lot of environmental challenges in this district. But nevertheless, um this place if you know if i can leave it um with uh, something that's you know functioning much better than when i walked onto it that that for me is a you know a really really positive thing
1: was it, it was sheep country i mentioned here hmm?
0: it was this place was part of uh, a bigger sheep station um and the whole the whole district was um uh you know it's I guess it was Australia's first economic boom. Really, the, the sheep's back, and um, you know Australia made a fortune out of it—the um, meat for the growing colony and the the wool for the mills of Europe. But it came at a cost, and um, you know we're looking at the cost, um, and we're dealing with the cost. Um, still paying for it now. Still paying for it now. Um,
1: so it's going to be here for a while in your hands, which is really good news. The girls, you know, are going to understand it. Mm. Grow up, you know, here in and have have um, experiences here. Um, you know, how important is that for you in terms of their their identity, their their individuality?
0: Yeah, look, they uh, they have like all kids, you know, they they're not. Super impressed with the things that mum and dad are really impressed with. You know. <laughs>
1: so, Did you get them out there planting trees?
0: Oh, absolutely! Look, you know, we've we've normalised a lot of these things. You know, we yeah. talk about climate change a lot, and we talk about landscape function, we talk about biodiversity, and for them, um, when they're hearing it and doing it firsthand, it's 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 not it's not a thing. It's not it's just it's just it's what we're doing on the weekend. Whereas you know we, we're. <laughs> we see it as, a, as a more of an event-driven exercise. Um, you know, I suspect that they'll go through their cycles, but I hope one day um, in the fullness of time that they'll, they'll come back either physically or they'll come back in, in a different capacity mm. and see that, you know, what we were doing there at the time was was kind of, you know, what what, what we needed to do. You know, one of, one of my big fears is that, you know, if the girls found out we knew and we did nothing about it that that wouldn't sit well with me so
1: they wouldn't forgive you
0: yeah yeah and, and look you know for that age group things are um, in terms of the environment in terms of uh, climate change things are going to be a lot tougher for them than it was for Wrong. us so you know it's it's really incumbent on landscape managers to do stuff now
1: it's a great point, and and I always refer um, at most occasions back to um, Doctor Zach Bush, you know, and how and he, he talks about um, the connection between human health, human not just like health as in physical health, but mental health, spiritual health, you know, um, and landscape and food and farming, and it's the management of that landscape that that ultimately impacts and affects, you know. The most important things in our lives, are our children, and the development of them. You know, it's it, whether it be exposure to chemical or whether it's exposure to, um, in a good way, the landscape and its essence. Mm. You know, and I think, um, you know, your girls will thank you one day. I am sure that you gave them the opportunity to um, be part of what's happening here, and it be part of them, and they will. I have no <laughs> doubt. Because this seems to happen, you know they will go out into the world. And as you say, they they probably come back. and They go out to the world <coughs> with this foundational appreciation. Mm. You know, I think that's um, uh, it's it's one of the, our most important jobs, isn't it, as parents?
0: Yeah, I think so. And normalising it for them so that mm. so that they don't see it as a uh, you know an activity or an event or a or a thing. Mm. Um, I feel that's the most important thing. So whilst I don't get a lot of gratitude from <laughs> without coming back my way, that, you know, that's not the important thing. The important thing is that, that they connect the activity with the meaning behind it and that um, in the fullness of time they'll, they'll see why we do these things.
1: Mm. Um,
0: Murray, let's
1: <clears throat> talk about in the fullness of time. What what do you what's the peak you mentioned about the you won't you don't think you'll see the peak of this farm what what do you think you will see it being, um, at your peak hmm. <laughs> <laughs> before you before you drop off the perch yeah, yeah, as yeah, my mother says yeah, is. yeah. What, um, what what do you want to see what what's your vision
0: so what we're going to do over the next sort of four or five years is implement uh, Charlie's master plan and that really involves. Um, at its core, a, a, a lot of paddock subdivision. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first challenge there is getting water from down low to up high so that we can get the water points for all of this subdivision. Uh, and then um, with the support of uh, grazing animals we and the biodiversity that we're trying to put into the place, um, I'd love to get it to a point where it's holistically working um, with with really minimal interventions. That's that's where I'd love it to be, where you can really start to feel that you've got you know that that solar function, that water function, that s- s- nutrient cycling function, all of those things really working, and the biodiversity helping us with um, you know pest and weed management and all the rest of it. Um, that for me would be would be uh, a real, a real, a real thrill to see that.
1: So that's essentially um, working with nature, yeah. How do you, how do you see what's your role? What's your how do you, how what's your your role as a partner with nature here? Do you think?
0: So one of the things that Charlie taught me, and in fact, when he put me on to you, and I came out to see Hanamina, I I, for the first time, really started to understand. The skills that you guys have got in 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 the powers of observation, and and you know, I think for a lot of people who are coming on to land, that's a really big issue because all you're seeing as a novice, you're just seeing bush, mm-hmm. you're not seeing anything else. And I notice when I have my guests <clears throat> come onto the farm, and I take them around, and we talk about things, and I start pointing things out, and they say, "I, I, I never," I didn't see it like that I didn't I didn't see erosion for example as being something that shouldn't be there I just thought that that incised creek was just how it was until I explained to them that it never used to be like that so I think for 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 a lot of novices um that that powers of observation and acquiring those skills is 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 a really big important first step so to answer your question in terms of working with nature, being able to understand what you're looking at is really key. Then for me, it's, a, it's, it's, it's about making sure that we're as light on the land as possible. We have a pretty, this country's pretty light and it's, I feel that it's fragile and it needs a very deft touch to manage it. Um, it wouldn't take much to take it backwards. So, for me, there's that part. And then there's also a part about getting out of its way, getting out of nature's way. I mean, I've planted, you know, um, thousands of trees, but there's natural regen going on all the time. And if you can spot that and see it and then protect it and nurture it, then nature's doing a lot of my heavy lifting for me. Um, So, but all of that comes back to. Your ability to observe and respond, um, which I'm still on a very steep curve for, but I, I sense the importance of it. How does one?
1: How does one develop those those skills to observe? Because I absolutely agree, it's one of the one of the necessary skills um, of farming generally. I mean, I think it should be in in farming generally, and it, it probably is. But um, in, in regenerative regenerative approach, it is one of the most um, valuable skills. How, how does one? Hone that skill.
0: Mm. So, well, first of all, call of the reed warbler is a good start for um, mm. understanding those those sort of big uh, functional cycles and uh, and understanding those things. Then, I, I I feel it's about getting down on your hands and knees and getting getting and looking properly at things, looking at species, identifying those species, looking at what's being grazed and what hasn't been grazed. I'm also pretty interested in how water moves and watching water, and I love getting out in the rain and watching water move. Um, I can, you know, for the first time, start to identify where I think erosion problems are starting, rather than waiting for them to be six feet high. Mm. So it's it's sort of you know getting a grounding in the, the fundamentals, but then getting getting your boots on, getting your raincoat on. And and getting out there and and really looking at what you're seeing
1: I find that it's um, you know and you've mentioned before your responsibility it's it's a great I've found a great catalyst for honing one's observation skills because when you become responsible for the outcome of what you're looking at then you can't but want to know more and you know whether it's about being preemptive about erosion or Seeing seeing you know red grass seed you know in head and going wow I can harvest that mm-hmm. or you know it it's a it's a that's what I find is it's once you have that responsibility you have a responsibility to observe and then you will because if you don't that's when you get the erosion that's happening right. that's when you miss those opportunities to harvest native seed that's when you see cattle dead in a paddock right um, that's when you see you know, where well, you don't see, you observe, you know, observing also means not seeing things. You don't see animals, you know, la- um, birds in a landscape anymore, you know. or um, So I think that, you know, for one to really um, hone those skills, to, to, to have a sense of responsibility um, is absolutely necessary. Let's talk about mentoring. You mentioned Charlie there before. I reckon he's probably a mentor. He's certainly a mentor of mine. insofar as um, call the reed warbler, his general presence in the space, the regenerative ag space, and what a what a lovely bloke to um, to look up to and to to follow. You know, mm. how important has mentor have mentors been um, to you, Murray?
0: Um, enormously helpful. Um, I mean, I can't I can't begin to. Um, even understand where we would be um, without without them, and I need to, I need to put you in the same box here. And this is not a this is not a love-in, um, so to speak.
1: Oh, Murray, <laughs> no, let it be. It's fine. Yeah. I don't mind. Not um, <laughs> get it often, so let's yeah, max out.
0: <laughs> true. Um, I mean, I, I just think that for those who have experience, and for those who've got things to say, and for those who can communicate and tell stories. The, the I think you guys don't understand the, the the enormous impact you can have on individuals by just giving them a little bit of your time. And, you know, when I rang you 18 months ago and said, I'm thinking about getting into biodynamics and could, could I just come and could you talk to me a little bit about it? I mean, that that couple of hours at your place was massive for us in terms of you know, I mean, the reverberations of that visit still kind of ricochet around the farm here in terms of what we learned and what we saw. And, you know, I kind of look at your place in even... I think it was pretty dry at the time,
1: but it was... It was, it was the end of... It was like about the... Oh, you know and it was? It was about the 9th of January because we had a shitload of a storm that afternoon. Mm, mm, that's
0: <laughs> right, I remember. But was, the trees down. There was a certain... The shit away. There was a certain... Uh, rude health to to that 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 what i saw there and you know when you when you sunk your hands into that soil and i just i was just you know really t- taken with with what i was seeing but but in terms of you know a small investment from you um g- gave us a, you know a really big leg up in terms of where we want to go and I, I think that um giving back uh, like that and you know that's something that i'm Aspiring to do as well, even though that we have, you know, far less experience. We we, we are running little experiments, and we're doing little things that, for perhaps for first timers, they they might find that interesting, or or maybe for for people who have been, you know, ploughing a particular furrow for a long time, maybe looking at different ways to do things. And storytelling is a critical component of it, of course. Um, but um, yeah, mentors. Um, uh, re- a really, really disproportionate impact on us. Um,
1: tell me, um, I have to congratulate yourself and Michelle and, and the girls for um, the impact you're making, not just on this land but, but you know, uh, you know, via social media, that's where I see a lot of it. You know, the way you've embraced wholeheartedly a new way well, – it's a new life because, I mean, it's not – the farm's not just something, an asset you've bought to just sort of run some cows on and look nice. You've really invested your life into this and I have to, again, congratulate you for doing that because you're really setting – and this is why we're sitting here today. This is, you know, I, my intention for this is it becomes a story, a piece, uh, a, you know, a, um, a, um, a a picture for people to understand that it can be done, mm. and everyone has their own story, their own background, their own stuff, you know. But in terms of, um you know, embracing a way of being, embracing the responsibility, embracing the opportunity, and it takes courage, courage, mm. to do that. Did you? Did, were there some people who might have gone? Oh, Murray's lost his marbles. He's bought this bloody. Bit of dirt down at Gundaroo, did that happen? Uh
0: not that, not that we, not that we heard directly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I heard. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> I'm sure there might have been a bit of that, um, but look, it, I think it's. Well, I'd like to think that it's it's it speaks for itself. I'd like to think that. Um, yes. There's some things that we're doing here that don't probably sit comfortably with uh, a traditional agricultural community in terms of you know we're we're pretty input light, and that's a that's a bit of a weird thing down here, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, and you know we just have different different sort of views on on the balance between making money off this sort of substrate and and um, Making sure that nothing pays a penalty for doing that, and and that that's a bit of a, a weird concept as well. So, I'm sure it goes on, um, but I'd you know we, we, we plough forward. Um, I'd like to think that um, as I say, it stands it stands on its uh, on its own two feet. Um, but um, you know, I think you, you, I think you're better off. Uh, focusing on on what you can do and, um, you know, we get a lot of inspiration from um, our sort of online farming um, community. There's some, you know, some absolutely out, outstanding um, farming uh, operations, farm, people farming with purpose um, that, that, you know, we, we just get in, inspiration from every day and uh, uh, social media has become a, a wonderful thing for, you know, for you know, getting inspiration, getting learnings, um, and then being able to sort of you know hopefully help people a little bit um, in return.
1: Who anyone you'd like to plug? Um, yeah, that you 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 see you might not you may not have even been to their farm anything, but just see, you know you go wow they're doing great stuff. Is there sort of any inspiring people in Australia or overseas that you sort of you um, you follow with with uh, with gusto?
0: Yeah, look. I'm 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 nervous to answer that because um, inevitably <laughs> so I'm going to forget Murray. somebody. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, just that's a caveat. Murray may forget uh, yeah, mentioning. Yeah. So it's like a, it's like a wedding speech. You forget the
0: yeah. that someone. <laughs> Look, there's some there's some terrific um, examples around here uh, around uh, Braidwood, around Bungendore. Um, even sort of you know up uh, yes and we jasp away there's some beautiful truffleries um that we're seeing you know wonderful fruit and veg being made in in these sort of cooler climates um so you know i i i love sort of f- following those sort of you know close to home i guess the landscapes look a little similar mm. and so i can kind of identify with the challenges of of uh, try, trying to trying to do something on a on a sort of fairly harsh environment like this um, I, I follow all the big boys as well who are, who've got you know, big operations and, and, uh, and um, I, get, I get inspiration from sort of the scale of, 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 uh, of what they're doing and some, some of those are in the US and in the UK as well. But uh, yeah, um, too many to mention.
1: Murray, you mentioned inputs before, and and you also referenced um, biodynamics. You came to you came to visit us at Tenamino there eighteen months ago, and you came to a one day. I think in May that same year, you mm-hmm. came to a one day at um, Glenmore House. Mickey Robertson there, um, and anyone who wants to um, visit, go online, buy her book. It's amazing. Um, very historic house that she's done up an amazing kitchen garden and garden and orchard set up there she's one of our favorites is Mickey um, Murray what are some of the biodynamic sort of um, practices you're you're, you're you're implementing here as a again just to give people a sense of um, you know uh, I guess yeah what you're doing and that um, uh, that maybe it's not that hard yeah if someone like you Murray can um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah Hang on, more importantly, if someone like I can do it, that yeah. it must be anyone can do it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, based on, um, you know, we made a decision to be chemical-free uh, right up front. Um,
1: what? Just uh, why?
0: Oh, look, you know, Michelle was, you know, dead against it from day one and always has been. Um, so, you know, we, we've been eating... Organic food long before the farm came along, um, so you know the idea of chemicals was just an absolute zero chance from day one. Um, but I guess when you have to look after a, a block of land bigger than a house block, you you are then you know the, the scale of it can be a little overwhelming in terms of well, how do I manage its fertility and how do I manage the things that you know can go in the wrong way. Um, so that's when Charlie said well there's a range of different ways to do that but you should talk to 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 mr Arnott so off the back of that what what, what we could easily adapt here was a sort of a, a the mainstay for us is cow manure concentrate preps uh, BD preps and we do those um, following the lunar cycles and we get them out onto pasture um, we, we we're kind of feeding that soil biology. Um, these are all native um, pastures. Um, it's predominantly red grass and kangaroo grass. Um, we have a little bit of phalaris on the flats, um, but essentially it's all native. And um, what, we're, what we're trying to do there is, is, is graze livestock um, using that native pasture because what we love about it is its drought tolerance. Um, it's, it's you know really tough and, and hangs in there um, sure, it's not you can't you can't uh, drive huge production off it, but um, it has its own benefit, um, which we feel is is appropriate for us. And biodynamics has really you know kicked it along and helped um, helped you know we're seeing stronger and stronger seed set um, each year. We're going to do a, a a cover crop um, renovation of this paddock over here on the on the left hand side up at the top top day. yeah we're going to put in some annuals um like that conversation that we were having the other day i think mm-hmm. we're going to we're going to put some annuals in and then i'm going to sort of drop that and just leave that and see if we can um you know lift that organic carbon content and sure then then maybe a perennial set thereafter um so and and biodynamics will feature in all of that um as we as we sort of you know move through that that uh, renovation project
1: and you've actually you're making your cow and concentrate here. I, know, I saw your very smart pit, and you got your manure. Did you you got your manure from elsewhere? Because you had
0: no, we have? we just we just bring the cows up to the yards, and, okay. and, and yeah, and we just uh, we just have them in there for a couple of days, yeah. enough to fill the the, uh, the the pit, the pit. And have uh, you got
1: them trained? Are they actually back up to the pit and just dump in? <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> well, actually, I should say into the into the um, <laughs> the cement mixer. Yeah. Murray, um, lessons. We want to finish on. I'll give, I'll give you two more questions. Lessons you've learnt that you know, and I don't like calling them mistakes. Well, they may have be framed up as a mistake or, or, or you know, look like a mistake. But what have you learnt from those mistakes? What What are some of the things you can? You can impart to our listeners so that that may save them this is a big responsibility, Murray. You may save so many of our, <laughs> our listeners from making the same mistake depending on what you tell them right now um,
0: <laughs> I think that being being uh, you know relatively new you don't have the the memory bank of seasons, and when you don't have a memory bank of seasons whilst you might be you know, you might have some landscape literacy, you don't really have season literacy. So what we didn't see that easily was that build of that big dry from, from 18 onwards. You know, we came in 18, so our paradigm started in what we now know was to be quite a big dry. But we walked onto it thinking that was, that was normal, that was the beginning. And so... That kind of crept up on us, and um, we we were lucky enough to finish our um, our uh, Angus herd uh, just in time when um, we got those to uh, to live weight. But um, that was that whole seasonal thing was a bit of a scare for us. Um, and you know, if if you we were we were kind of we feel like we got out of it in the nick of time. Um, but I think we could easily have gone pretty backwards at that point. Um, so, so that was one thing, and, and of course, the knock-on there is that, you know, our grass inventory was pretty low, and therefore what then happened was we started to get a bit of bare ground. And so, you know, what I would have liked to have done in the, with the benefit of hindsight was to have seen that a little earlier. Um, but and,
1: and, then, and then you might have sold those, those a little earlier? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so. okay.
0: You know, I was, I was obsessed with finishing my own cows.
1: Totally. <laughs> you know, and we do. We love our cows more than our grass as a general rule. That's certainly what I used to do and then and then that's, you know, turned that on its head. Any other lessons you've learned? Um,
0: oh, there's lots of little lessons, you know, like um – Weeds grow faster than vegetables. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's a, that's but weeds a, are also edible, generally.
0: Weeds are edible, and uh, as you taught me, the weeds are, weeds are there as messengers. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's a that's a great way to kind of think about them.
1: Um, I don't see any weeds out here at all. No, none, none at all. <laughs> <laughs> that might be cape weed out there, but it's not a weed. Not at it's all. It's telling you something, isn't it?
0: <laughs> oh, look, you know, the, the, other, one, the other one that uh, I, I have some... Um, Painfully learned from is that um, you know I always wanted to have all permanent fencing, and uh, I've got permanent fencing that runs down to the Ass River. And what I didn't realize is that the Ass River floods every about three or four times a year. And for the first almost two years, I just kept going back and putting permanent fencing up until until I just gave up and thought this is just never going to work. So. so
1: you've learned how to build a build a floodgate now, <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. So uh, yeah.
1: Well, Murray. Um that's been. Oh, I did have a question for you when I when I was reading your um, your job title there. It was B. Is it international leader? I was I was a BD and M. I was going, what's BD and M? Sounds a bit adult. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it could be biodynamic. Uh,
1: it could be. Uh,
0: no, it's business development. So uh, business and,
1: development and marketing. Yep. And marketing. Mm. Oh, I thought it was going to be something much more exciting than
0: that. Yeah. No. Sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Murray, that um, has been wonderful. Thank you so much, and it's and it's a it's a unique interview because um, it's it's with you, and it's, and it's and it's and it's and it's as I said, I wanted to dig into how you got to this point, and and sharing your lessons, sharing your experiences, and sharing the insights that. I, I'm finding more and more people are wanting to understand because they're mm. stepping in, and it is a—it's a big career. It's not just a career change; it's a life change. And it's, you know, as farmers who we roll on from generation to generation farming, we don't necessarily have to confront those, you know, changes. And so, for people to listen and to understand and learn, and and sort of understand, yes, there's courage that's required that it's not impossible and that people are doing it and have done it and are doing it really well is is wonderful that thank people you. can can understand and appreciate that so um, and I also trust that far you know people are listening to this that I say farmers understand things from your perspective as well mm. you know in terms of succession in terms of you know you're a newbie and thank God there are people coming on to you know and being farmers and buying land like you because um, yeah, you know, as I said, David Mars. You know, it's one of the greatest assets the industry has is people coming into the industry with new ideas, um, new perspectives, and that's really healthy. So thank you for contributing in such a wonderful way.
0: Well, thank you, Charlie, and thank you for the opportunity. As I said to you on the text, I'm, uh, I'm I feel very underdone being on this show, given the uh, the quality of the, um, the the people you've had on before. But um, look, if I if I can through my story help someone who's not on the land yet get onto the land and do something with it, um, then this will be worth it.
1: Murray, you're standing shoulder to shoulder with um, – <laughs> I mean, you even got on before Charlie Massey. So <laughs> <laughs> you too, on. <laughs> and Terry McCosker. Charlie and Terry, I'm coming after you. I did say months ago I was going to grab them, but with COVID it was just a bit hard to get, get to them. I like to do the face-to-face. And it's been wonderful doing the face-to-face here, overlooking the Yass River here on this beautiful landscape. Murray, so thank you as the uh, on cue, the um, Galloway heifers are just coming over the top of that hill, they're grazing their way back down this way. Um, well done. Thank you. Thanks, Murray. Thank you. Well, there you go. It's such a lovely time sitting there beside the Yass River, chatting with Murray Pryor and just really keen to follow um, Murray's journey, who's really setting a, a um, somewhat of a standard, I guess, for sort of transitioning to um, regenerative farming and and just doing it with with reverence and grace and respect to the landscape um, and using you know a very resourceful guy too is Murray so i'm um, looking forward forward to um, to watching his journey unfold talking about unfolding um, i had a really interesting um, interview uh, with Dr. Ron Ehrlich, a Sydney-based holistic dentist and health advocate, who I met through Vicky Poulter, um, actually, um, and some years ago, um, and I did a podcast with uh, with uh, with Ron, with Dr. Ron, um, a few months ago now, it might have been the end of last year. Ron, I think it might have been, um, and it was it was I really enjoyed it. Actually, I was probably um, I, I just because it wasn't I wasn't talking necessarily like farming; we we're talking a lot of health. Um, and him not being a farmer, the questions he was asking were actually really interesting in themselves coming from his perspective, his holistic sort of um, health perspective. So it really got me thinking and I thought I'd better interview Dr Ron and I did. So I look forward to that next week. And I just wanted to use this opportunity to let everyone know, let our listeners know that we are running a couple more biodynamic um, workshops this spring in New South Wales. Um, it's a two-day introduction to biodynamics course where you'll, you'll learn all about the principles and practices and philosophy over those two days. Um, get your hands dirty, but also get your minds full of the good stuff um, for two days. Now, first one is on the 9th and 10th of November in the Southern Highlands. That's only a couple of hours out of Sydney, a southwest of Sydney. Busy time of year, busy part of the world too, so uh, make sure you book your accommodation and get yourself sorted. Booking um, details, uh, for our workshop will be on the website, charliearnett.com.au. Just check that out. Um, and also on the 16th and 17th of November, we'll be back at uh, near Byron Bay at Binnaburra, um, just out of Bangalore, all the bees there, um, for the 16th and 17th of November. That's a Monday, Tuesday. The other one, the 9th and the 10th, is a Monday, Tuesday as well. So um, you'll find both those booking um uh, booking details on, uh, on our website charliearnett.com.au and as a bit of a primer to get you excited about booking in um, on the 21st of uh, October, that's uh, not far away, uh, 11.30, we'll be running an introduction to biodynamics webinar. It's a free webinar, I'll go for about an hour. Um, you'll find a registration link in uh, on the website as well. Um, check out my social media pages at Facebook and Instagram as well for links to um, obviously the podcast, but also to this um, the webinar on the 21st of October. Anyone can join that one. Um, uh, introduction to biodynamics webinar, about an hour, and also the booking details for the two spring workshops um, that I just mentioned, the 9th and 10th of November and the 16th and 17th of November. So really happy and thrilled that we could um, put those on for the end of the year. Um, and as a fair chance, early November, we'll be doing a one day preparation making workshop at Brewer as well, um, date to be confirmed, but um, it'll be one day a prep making for those who've already been to the course that's really for you guys um, to make compost preparations and other cool stuff. So there you go. Um, I hope that's, uh, that all makes sense and really looking forward to um, seeing as many of my listeners as possible at the next couple of uh, workshops because you won't regret it. This podcast is produced by Rhys Jones at Jaeger Media. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe, share, rate and review. For more episode information, please head over to www.charliearnett.com.au.